Um, welcome to episode four of Screaming on the Inside. My name's Lee. I'm the admissions supervisor for UK Addiction Treatment Centres. In this episode, we have Nuno Albuquerque, who's the treatment lead for UK Addiction Treatment Centres. Nuno has a BSc in Substance Misuse Management, Trauma and Healing, Trauma Attachment, Effects, Dysregulation and Shame, as well as being a certified relapse prevention specialist, to name only a few. Thank you for joining us today, Nuno. No, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. So um, we're hoping to talk about anxiety and the link to addiction in this episode. The vast majority of people who come into treatment will say they experience usually unusually high levels of anxiety before coming into treatment alongside their addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, what's mm-hmm. your experience of seeing that over the years? Yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, totally understandable. Uh, when we go into new situations, uh, we, we it's like going to the unknown. We have uh, a normal kind of peak of anxiety. Uh, anxiety, um, you know, underneath that there is some fear. We don't know what to expect. And coming into um, a treatment center is a big step. I mean, sometimes we forget or we take it for granted that step because we work. That's our, you know, that's why we live most of our lives. But for someone that never been in treatment is a huge step. And, and understandably, the levels of anxiety uh, just because of that will grow uh, a lot. So, um, so yeah, obviously there is anxiety related with um, the, the, the stop of um, substance intake uh, or alcohol, or uh, so which will add to the anxiety levels. But just for the fact of coming into a, a new situation, is normal that people will get more anxious about, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, I think from my own personal experience, and I can only talk about my personal experiences, mm-hmm. although my, my drinking and my drug using was causing me great, you know, it, I was very painful towards the end, if I'm honest to you, and I was very uncomfortable in my life. I was comfortable in that setting in terms of I knew what was happening. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I knew how to deal with life by using substances and the thought of it changing caused me massive anxiety. Mm-hmm. And we speak to a lot of people on the phone, of course, when we, we book people into treatment and you can tell them a hundred times that, you know, you'll be made to feel um, welcome and they'll settle you in very, very quickly. It's um, most people don't believe it, <laughs> um, you know, and they mm-hmm. let the anxiety um, build up in them, which is why we keep in regular contact with people before they come in and try and ease them into treatment. And I know you guys in the centres do a fantastic job of putting people at ease when they come in and making mm-hmm. them feel welcome and um, you know relaxed as soon as they possibly can. Because the fear of a lot of the time, I always say to people, the fear of staying the same should be greater than the fear of change. Because um, mm-hmm. you know if you don't change, it's disastrous for most people. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. Um, even though you know there is, you know, the anxiety that people feel when they are using as well, um, it's huge. And um, however, they've got like the drugs to kind of try to deal with that anxiety, but um, it's like a, any spiral just just goes um, round, you know, uh, deeper and deeper. Um, so it's another level, it's a kind of different anxiety when people are using, um, yeah, definitely coming to a new situation and not having that uh, substance to use to manage that anxiety is a little bit more scary, yeah. Yeah. Now, 
this is quite a big one for most people. It's sort of almost what comes first, the chicken or the egg. So um, mm. most people probably couldn't pinpoint when their anxiety first started. So in your experience, what would usually come first, the addiction or the anxiety? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's very difficult to answer to that question because, you know, people might um, feel anxious and then use substances to try to manage the way that they feel so they don't feel well in trying to get some comfort from a substance, right? Then we've got the other anxiety that is triggered by using the substance. So now I'm using the substance and I'll be really anxious about when can I get the next uh, the next use up. I'll be really anxious about, you know, losing my job. I'll be really anxious about being found out by my parents and so on and so on. So so it's I don't think it's really difficult to kind of say that one comes first than the other. Uh, so, because one feeds the other, if you know what I mean, yeah. yeah. It's I, I hear. So I don't think there's really a mold that, um, or a template because I hear people. You know, I do a lot of recovery meetings, and in, in my own experience, was looking back now, I was very, very anxious as a child. I didn't know I was anxious. I didn't know everybody didn't mm-hmm. feel like that. Um, but when mm-hmm. I started using drugs it became the solution to that anxiety it brought me out of yeah. myself. So I think for myself, the, the anxiety was already there previous. But I meet a lot of people in, in recovery meetings that led perfectly normal lives until they started, um, whether it be drinking or taking drugs, um, destructively, and then that causes the anxiety. So I don't think you know there's a template to it. That's my, my opinion mm-hmm. and my experience of it. I totally agree with you, Lee. I totally agree with you. I think, um, but even though that people that uh, start using in a destructive kind of way, uh, maybe their life was not that that good. Maybe you know through therapy they will find out why they end up um, using or drinking that much. Um, maybe not related with anxiety. That's right. Um, but um, so it's very difficult to kind of pinpoint what what comes first. Yeah, it really is. And some people, you know, they start using drugs and alcohol, and it's um, it's good fun for a while. Um, I think for most mm-hmm. people, it actually is. Um, mm-hmm. who, who weren't suffering with anxiety before, but then they go past that invisible line, and then it becomes goes from fun recreational to being to being a real problem. Yeah, and I mean, actually, sorry, mm-hmm. please go on. No, I was just going to say that we don't need to ask uh, why people uh, use drugs. We need to ask what drugs do to people, right? Because sometimes that's what it happens. You know, people just try to find, to get a bit of comfort out of a substance. And it works for a, for a while. And then they end up having two problems, you know, to regulate them, themselves emotionally. And they need to deal with um, the dependence side of the substance, right? So, um, so a lot of the people, that's, that's, um, that's the question that we need to make to them is what, you know, what substances or drugs or alcohol does to you that, you know, you, you end up wanting to drink or wanted to use drugs. Yeah. Yeah. And it goes deep, doesn't it? With some people it is, mm-hmm. it is the only coping mechanism and it, and it takes people's lives. It's that serious. And, and you're, and you're very right is what, uh, 
what are you getting from the substance? What are you getting from the substance that you're not getting um, from life? Do you think in, you know, in your experience that um, people can suffer from anxiety um, without having any particular reason for it? And in moving on from that, sort of enlarging on it, why do you think it's so important to identify the anxiety triggers? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think there is always a reason uh, to feel the anxiety. Perhaps it's not showing in today on the here and now what is happening in me. I don't know why I feel so anxious today in this particular situation, right? So that is how important is therapy. So we can try to understand why we get those peaks of anxiety. And most of the times is rooted in, in something deeper in us. Um, probably um, adverse child um, uh, experiences, you know, going back to childhood and stuff. And I'll give you an example. For example, if you are walking on the street and on the other side of the road, it's dark and on the other side of the road, you see a group of, of people quite loud and perhaps uh, intoxicated straight away, you feel some fear, right? Which puts you, which is healthy, which puts you alert and you can prepare yourself for something, protect yourself, protection, which is totally fine. So fear is something positive in that particular situation. Now, if you get an um, uh, overwhelming feel, fear, uh, panic attack, this uh, overwhelming feeling of anxiety out of that particular situation that nothing happened, then you need to understand why you, why we get that overwhelmness of, of the feeling. And perhaps it will be attached to something in the past that you went through, which you felt really, really anxious about or really, really scared about. So therapy, through therapy, you will be able to unveil the, the source of um, or root of that uh, anxiety. So I think that there is always um, a, a, a cause of the feeling. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, myself included, used to run on anxiety. I was very much a feelings type of guy. And if something felt wrong, I wouldn't do it. And I'll give you my experience recently. And I am, I'm six, six and a half years clean, all but a few days. And so I'm still mm -hmm. quite early in recovery. And um, we've, as you know, the admissions team have been working from home for the last 13 months because of the pandemic, but we're all back in head office now. And um and it was my first day back on Monday. And I've been looking forward to coming back in the office. I generally have. And I've been here a couple of days and I'm really enjoying it. But I woke up on Monday morning with this terrible impending sense of doom, like um, a big black cloud hanging over my head. Nothing's gone wrong. Um, mm -hmm. I couldn't really identify why I felt like it. Now, in active addiction, I would have... Um, well, I would have stayed indoors and used. I certainly wouldn't have sat up to my, mm -hmm. my place of employment. But... The benefit I have of being in recovery now is I don't let the anxiety rule me. Um, mm -hmm. I got up, I got dressed, you know, I got washed, dressed, and, everything, and I came into the office anyway. And I just learned how to now being in recovery is to face the fear and go through with it anyway. And it might seem mm -hmm. like a quite trivial thing, but when I have, you know, and I do suffer with an anxiety problem sometimes, um, I don't buy into it anymore and I don't let it rule my life. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I mean, and so you 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 are in recovery, so you got a lot of work done, and uh, and and that's great. Um, 
because this is like an ongoing process and uh, some people might not get there yet right and uh, and they get mm-hmm. paralyzed with the anxiety you know they allow the head to go into the future to to normally to ca- catastrophize and think the things very negative as you said the black cloud um and it is very important to kind of refocus you know use strategies like uh, breathing um refocus on the year and now yeah uh practice mindfulness throughout the day when people feel a little bit more anxious um positive talk you know feed that brain with positive words um yeah especially now during this you know you mentioned about them being away for 13 months and working from home yeah during this time of the restrictions from covid 19 which we got um uh, we got used, maybe not used, but to live on uncertainty and fear. So every week, every day, it's a new kind of news coming out on the radio, you know. So, so definitely the, the chances that our anxiety levels are very, very high. And they've been very, very high for the last year or so just because of this situation. So that's uh, is uh, that's why it's so important to, to have those strategies to deal with that anxiety, you know. Um, as I said, you know, focus on the here and now, what am I doing today, what am I doing right now. Um, on my breathing, just breathe normally in and out, take time. All of that will help. And with time, with practice, um, it will come out a little bit more automatically, like perhaps it, it happened to you, you know, you said, you know, I I, I have my strategies and straight away I, I I don't allow that anxiety to, to become overwhelming. Yeah, that, that's it. True practice, isn't it? Yeah, mindfulness is a big, big part of my recovery. Um, you know, mm-hmm. meditation is a big um, part of why, mm-hmm. well, I practice it every day and I have been now for six and a half years, but bringing myself into the moment, concentrating on my breathing, trying not to project into the future, which I'm so good about. You know, I'm so good at projecting and I always have been. Um, but again, it doesn't it doesn't rule my life today. And do you think... Do you think that now we are coming out of lockdown and, um, you know, the restrictions are being eased, that it's actually caused people to suffer with anxiety more than when we were in full lockdown? Well, I think it's a a different reason to get anxious. Now it's about reintegration, right? Um, You know, back to normal living, back to interact with people. Um, with that comes the fear of still being infected as well. Um, yeah, I think we are, I still think we are, and I'm not, it's not about being negative or, I just want to be realistic and uh, not to, to give false expectations to people, but I think we are a long way from all of this to be over. Um, so it's just taking advantage of the day you know, staying there. It, it is easier and more manageable if we just focus in our day and what what we can do today to to feel happy and to connect with other people. Um, because, as I said, if before people get very anxious to be in isolation, now people might be really anxious again to be uh, back to interact with other people and with life in general. 
Yeah. And why do you think that anxiety is so closely linked to addiction? Well, I mean, I think we we touched. Um, I think we 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 touch on that. I mean, um, um, people tend to 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 find something to make them feel better. So this, if they feel anxious about a particular situation, they might uh, try to normalize that feeling or to balance themselves emotionally with substances. And then what's, what happened, perhaps it works in the beginning, uh, but the tendency is that um, people will start to get addicted to the or dependent on the substance. Um, and, and then, as I said before, they have... Uh, two problems to manage their anxiety and to sort out with the addiction as well. So I think that's um, one of the the links um, with the, with the addiction. Um, also, when people use drugs, you know, they you know, if not to be very specific uh, or complex, talking about the brain, but uh, the dopamine levels in the brain they go uh, sky high, they increase very much, and then when they stop. Um, the dopamine levels drop as well, and this is when you feel a little bit more low and more anxious, uh, worried about um, when I can get my next fix or my next drink, uh, not feeling well with with myself, and therefore I don't not having um, healthy strategies, uh, people will end up um, finding more unhealthy strategies to make them feel a little bit better. So it's linked. Um, it's very linked uh, uh, with addiction. Yeah. Yeah. I I always thought before before coming into recovery that my problem was my substance misuse. That I thought I had um, you know a drug problem and an alcohol problem, and I genuinely believed that for many many years. Um, and had experiences, small you know small periods of clean time where I would manage to break physical dependencies and I would be as physically clean as what I am today but I always went back to it. It wasn't until I came into recovery that I'd learn about the reasons I used. So I sort of flip it around now and I you know I never had a drug or an alcohol problem. I had a drug mm -hmm. and alcohol solution to mm -hmm. my problem, which is high anxiety, um you know, projecting into the future, living in the past, which causes me anxiety and, you know, a lot of fear going on and um, the drugs were just a very good solution to that until they stopped being a solution to that and then I had like you said I had two problems I had the anxiety problem and I had the drug problem there as well mm -hmm. yeah um, and that's now, that's sorry was you going to expand on that yeah, I, was, I was just agreeing with you I mean that's totally that's totally right yeah so there are a lot of different therapies that um, are utilized within our centers to treat anxiety. What are some of the um, best therapies that you yourself have used in, in treatment um, and we use in our centers to actually deal with anxiety? I mean, uh, in our treatment centers, we've got uh, dialectical behavior therapy, DBT. And DBT is a, is a therapy that definitely um, helps with, with anxiety. There is a couple of modules, one on emotional regulation and the other one on uh, distress tolerance that focus on how we can, um, on some skills that will help us to kind of balance ourselves emotionally. Then we've got um, other therapies. You mentioned meditation, yes. Meditation is, is another way to 
to deal with anxiety, breathing work, um, another way, um, talking therapies, definitely. I think everyone in recovery or not should have like one hour per month at least with a counselor um, just to go through and recycle those thoughts and feelings. It will help with anxiety as well. Things like acupuncture, um, yoga, you know, all of those uh, will, will help with them um, uh, to kind of manage our anxiety, yeah. Yeah, and so the alumni teams, obviously, um, we have regular contact with all of our alumni clients and some of, them, some of our clients say that they still experience anxiety, but in a far more manageable way after leaving treatment. So do you mm -hmm. think anxiety ever really goes away? No, <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, I don't think our, our history goes away as well. I don't think we can go back in time and do a reset and start again. Uh, I think that feelings are here and they will stay here. Uh, I agree with you, alumni. I think that we are, as time goes by and as we practice some of this um, knowledge that we gain, um, we, we get more equipped to deal with our feelings, including anxiety, and, uh, and, and, and not to allow those feelings or that anxiety to become overwhelming to the point that I'm, that will paralyze me or to the point that I really need a quick fix, which is yeah. like, uh, you know, the next drug or, um, or, or use an alcohol or even, you know, gambling, going into behavioral, um, behavioral addictions like the sex addiction and so on and so on. Just trying to find a, a quick fix for this um, overwhelming feeling. I don't think it will go away. I think we'll get more equipped if we do like the the homework, if you want, um, to to deal with the feeling. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, one of them things I... <laughs> I wish the anxiety would go away, but I, I have to agree with you. you I get tools, tools to deal with it now. But then I think, is it the anxiety I suffer? Is it because I'm a, a recovering drug addict and alcoholic? Or is it just regular human anxiety that everybody suffers with? Because I think everybody does. Um, mm. You know, I, I look at family members and, and they certainly suffer with anxiety and they can, you know, hold on to resentments and things as well. But for them, it's, it's, it seems manageable, but they're not going to do something with them, resentments and the anxious feelings that might kill them, i.e. me putting a drink or drug inside my body. So mm. I get the, the coping mechanisms of, of you know, sob sobriety and recovery, and, um, and it gets less and less. I, I do still suffer with anxieties. Um, sometimes, um, you know, like the other day, which I disclosed about coming to work, mm -hmm. it, it was a quite a trivial thing, but I just don't let them rule my life anymore. Whereas I always did before in active addiction, always run on that anxiety. And it would really cripple me to a point where I, I wouldn't be able to do anything. Mm -hmm. No, I, I mean, uh, feelings, uh, all human beings have feelings and uh, it's not just for people that suffer from addiction that have uh, got anxiety or any other feelings. I mean, we all have the feelings. Um, I, I do think that there are two, um, two different kind of 
types of people, people that are born with a more sensitive gene and people that are born with a less sensitive gene. And people with a less sensitive gene tend to feel and to move on more quickly, you know. And people with more sensitive gene, they are more prone to addictions because they get stuck there. They get very sensitive. And they, if they are not told about healthy strategies to deal with the way they feel, they might end up trying to find a quick fix somewhere else. Um, but I do think um, anxiety and, and feelings in general definitely is a, is a, is a human condition. Uh, is part of the human condition and not just for because people suffered from uh, addictions in the past or no. Yeah, thank you. And when when people leave our treatment centres or when people come into recovery, let's broaden that a little bit, um, how important is it for people to put a plan of action in place um, after leaving treatment or getting sober and coming into recovery? Uh, this is as important as the day that they decide to be admitted into residential treatment. That's how important it is. The transition for like normal living needs to be treated in a very, very careful way. A lot of people, they undermine that and a lot of people relapse. Um, next day, next week, a few weeks uh, after um, leaving treatment. Uh, and I think we, we have the duty to say this to people, to bring that awareness. Um, we've got in our treatment centers a, an assignment called the Continuing Care Plan Assignment, which uh, it encourages people or invites people to be, you know, to, to, to elaborate on those questions um, about recovery, about uh, relationships, about uh, goals about um, routine, daily routines, structure for the day. And as much as people um, elaborate and as much as people work on those continuing care plans, the better for them. Um, the transition is, is very, very, very important. People go back where they used before, where they drink before, where they have friends that will be inviting them to, to come for a drink or or when they or they will be isolated, or they'll go back to a family that is still very angry with them, perhaps. Or yeah, I think it's really important. Remember, they come into our treatments and straight away a structure is given to them, uh, peers, it's given to them a group support, compassion straight away, right? So when they leave treatment, they really need to have a plan that will um, help them to reintegrate uh, without, um, you know, without that level of support that they had in the treatment center. Uh, so it's so important. It's so important. Uh, I, I cannot stress how important it is the, you know, the transition from residential treatment to to, to normal living. Yeah. Yeah, I, I have to agree with you there. It's, um, when I, you know, my, my wife, when I first met her on her second date, because I liked her, I, on the first date, I said to her, I'm in recovery um, from alcohol addiction. I didn't say anything about the substances. She obviously now knows. But um, and, mm -hmm. I, and I did tell her very early on in the relationship that my recovery comes first. 
it comes before it comes before my wife, it comes before my children, it comes before my job. It has to come before everything because if I don't have my recovery, then I don't have my wife, my children, and my job. All of that goes, and eventually my life will go as well. So I agree, I can't stress enough how important it is to have some plan of action in place um, that's going yeah. to get you over them, um, them difficult times because people leaving treatment. Um, my early days of recovery, everything was quite quite rosy. Everything was new, and it was all amazing. And then life starts happening. Of course, you know life starts getting busy. You start forming personal mm-hmm. relationships. You may get employment prospects. You know other things that are going to happen. You may have you know tragedies that happen in your life, and you need to have them plans in place so when these things do happen, mm-hmm. you have the tools mm-hmm. to deal with them. Yeah, definitely, Ali. I'm I'm in recovery myself, so I'm 23 years clean and sober. One day, wow. One day at a time, right? One day at a time, and yeah. um, and I tried uh, in the fellowship rooms uh, first time in '91 or '92, probably, and and I could not do it on on the room, so I had to go to a treatment facility. Where I stayed, um, you know, for, uh, for I stayed for eight months. That was my my time in treatment, and then I, you know, I went back home when I completed, and I didn't know anyone, you know, in recovery or any meetings, or I didn't, you know, I had to cut with all of my acquaintances of using and all of that. So it was quite a lonely place, and if I didn't have that like uh, aftercare plan, you know, my meetings, the plan to go to the meetings, the service in the fellowship, you know, the aftercare groups of the treatment center where I was, uh, and all of that. Um, perhaps I would not be here talking to you. <laughs> perhaps I would be, perhaps I'll be there, to be honest with you. So, so yeah, it was, you know, it's... It, it's an extra effort we need to put, but in the end of the day, I can say to you that uh, it's worth it, and and, and uh, I'm really grateful that I made that effort in sticking to that plan after completing treatment. So sometimes, though, I spoke to someone, and um, I was in treatment at that time, and he came for an aftercare, and I asked him, so how long did you stay in treatment? And he answered to me like, no, no, I'm still in treatment. <laughs> and of course, he, I mean, he, he wasn't, yeah, he, he was living his life, he was doing his meetings, and but he told me, no, no, I'm still in treatment. And it's a little bit like that, an ongoing process of recovery. So people um, don't forget about that. It's an ongoing process of recovery. So we need to continue to work on that. It gets better, it will get better. Uh, you become more familiar and, and yeah, it will get better with time, but, um, but yeah, ongoing process of recovery. Yeah. Yeah. And, and thank you. Thank you for disclosing. Cause I obviously know you and, and, and know you are in recovery, but thank you for disclosing that. Cause you have, you know, you're a very highly qualified man and has done an awful lot of work to get where he is now. Um, but in your experience, in your personal recovery journey, what would you say is the, the biggest gift that recovery has given you? Uh, the biggest gift? Myself. You know, I found myself. 
That's that's what was uh, what recovery gave me. It was I was completely lost for for many 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 years from early age, and then recovery just um, with the help of of everyone, with the help of the people, with the help of the program. Uh, recovery gave my life back. You know, gave gave me my, all the rest is just bonus and and stuff that. Uh, you know, we put the footwork and things, you know, things will come. Sometimes not in our time, but <laughs> things will, will come. And if they are not meant to, to come, they are because it's because they are not meant to, to come. And that's okay as well. It's about accepting. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think it's gave, gave myself back, gave my life back. I think that's the, what recovery. And then, it was up to me to do what I wanted to do in my life after that. <laughs> so, um, yeah. to yeah. Thank you. I, I I think that's a beautiful answer. Um, and the same with me. I've learned to live with myself, and I've learned to like myself as well. And as a result of that, um, my family have benefited from it as well. I have you know three wonderful children that have all benefited mm. from my recovery. Mm. Um, so yeah, no, it's lovely, and it's and it's been lovely talking to you um, talking to you today, Nuno. You know, it really has been. And thank you so much for giving up your time for this podcast. Yeah, so, um, thank you, um, and thank you everyone for listening to Screaming on the Inside with our special guest Nuno. As always, you can find our podcast on all audio platforms. Simply search Screaming on the Inside, or you can email SOTI pod at ucat.co.uk if you'd like to feature or have any topic ideas you want discussed. Thanks again, Nuno. Thank you. Thanks, Lee.